0: Welcome to Friday Book Club here on Peak Performer Community. If you don't know what the Peak Performer Community is, there's a link below where you can check out more. It's essentially a community for people who are interested in reaching their peak in whatever domain of work or sport they happen to operate. So whether you're on the stage, whether you're operating in a sports field, whether you're a solo player, whether you work for yourself, whether you work for a large corporate, doesn't matter what you do, how you do it or who you bring to the work is most important, and in the peak performer community, we use the psychology of human performance to talk about and examine and explore those aspects of self, of personality, belief, structure, uh, behavior, and so on, that influence how we perform. I'm Larry McGuire. I am a work and organizational psychologist, and I use what I've learned in business and in uh, my studies in psychology to explore this phenomenon. How do we reach our peak? And that's what Peak Performer Community is all about. Every Friday on Peak Performer Community, uh, I read from the book of the week, which is announced around a Monday or Tuesday. And it's an opportunity for you to get your hands on a piece of material that will help you uh, refine how you do things and do it to a, uh, a more proficient extent. Um, because at the end of the day, it's who we take to work who we take to our job, whatever that job is, that counts most. Um, It's from there uh, that we learn to control the controllables, which are those things that were in our own sphere of influence and not outside it. So this week, I'm talking about this book here. I know that's backwards. Uh, uh, The Psychology of Performance, Stuart Cotterill. And in this particular chapter, uh, chapter three, it's a very... uh, Small read, you read it in the weekend, but it's not like a piece of fiction that you read from start to finish. You can do, but instead, it's more like a reference manual. And you don't want to be carrying around volumes of stuff. Um, you want something that's succinct, that gets to the point, that tells you what you need to know, uh, and shows you in certain ways how to do it. And this book is one of those. Uh, fit neatly into your pocket, and you can take it with you anywhere. If this is the only book on performance that you buy, um, you're doing yourself a big favor. It's got a lot of what you need uh, to refine your own uh, behavior and so on um, in your work and produce your best results. So chapter three, we're talking about um, confidence, self-confidence, self-efficacy and performance. And why don't we get into it? So the impact of confidence on performance, according to Stuart Cotterill, confidence Or at least confidence in the ability to go out and perform or deliver under pressure when it counts is crucial to successful performance across many performance domains. To be successful, individual performers do not necessarily need to be confident people, a personality trait, but they do need to be confident in their ability to go and execute the required skills at the right time. This fact suggests that it is domain and context specific confidence that matters most. To be successful on a regular basis, the individual performer, that's you, or uh, team, needs to feel that they can execute the required skills effectively in a specific context to ultimately be successful. A related uh, concept that is also important for performance is optimism. Having generally positive disposition can ensure that the individual performer continues to work hard and to invest in themselves through time and energy. Um, even if a successful outcome is unlikely, this chapter will explore what confidence is, how it affects performance and what can be done to increase levels of self-confidence. This chapter will also explore optimism, pessimism and their associated impact on performance. Um, a topic that I've written about uh, and spoken about before is resilience and uh, it's related to what we're talking about here and we get into it a little bit later. Um We'll read most of this chapter, or maybe half of it, um, but not all, because we'll be here all day. So, self-confidence. Self-confidence has been operationalized in a range of different ways, including perceived competence, self-efficacy, movement confidence, and outcome expectancies. Broadly speaking, self-confidence can be viewed as an individual's belief that he or she can be successful. Self-confidence is proposed to be context-specific. Uh, to relevant tasks, and it is suggested that some individuals can display this feature through a wide range of activities. Self-confidence is also similar to a related construct termed self-efficacy, introduced by Albert Bandura, since deceased unfortunately in the last couple of years. Um, Self-self-efficacy theory. Self-efficacy is simply described to be a self-perceived measure of one's belief in one's abilities that is dependent upon contextual background and setting. So in other words, self-efficacy is related to specific tasks. So if you're a sports person and you play field sport, uh, self-efficacy is related to your uh, your belief in yourself in executing the, the uh, drills, exercises, routines, and entire game related to your specific sport. Self-confidence is more uh, something that you carry with you. Through your life, no matter what you're doing. So, self efficacy, context specific, self confidence, more broad, uh, widely ranging, or broadly influential aspect of self. The biggest difference between self confidence and self efficacy is that self confidence is a general feature of personality, not a temporary attitude. Psychologist Deborah Feltz, 1988, who further defined self confidence, mused that. Rather than a general feature, it is a feature. It is a belief of a person that they can successfully achieve an activity and individuals trust to their own judgment, ability, strength and decisions. A little bit long winded, um, but it it hits the mark. Uh, Efficacy beliefs from a psychological perspective, the concept we are really interested in is self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is a concept originally developed, as we said, by Albert Bandura. as a part of a social learning theory. Social learning theory suggests that learning is a cognitive process that takes place through social interactions and in particular through observation, imitation and modeling. Building on this work, Bandura published Social Foundations of Thought and Action, a social cognitive theory in 1986, a book that highlights the central importance of cognitive, vicarious, self-regulatory and self-reflective practices in human adaptation and learning. In social learning theory, individuals are not seen simply as reacting to environmental stimulus, but as proactive agents in control of their own motivations, belief, actions, and motivations. And this is a critical point in relation to everything that uh, is is written on and in Peak Performer Community and beyond and humanperformance.ie. You are, in order to execute your skills and abilities to a high degree, you must have control or at least have perceived control over yourself and your environment. Um, And this is related to what we were talking about last week in terms of uh, self-confidence, not self-confidence, free will. So last week we were talking about free will. I had an extensive conversation with a mate of mine on Peak Performer uh, on Friday night about Uh, free will and do we in fact have free will and free will is the 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 belief that we have free will is associated with higher performance in life higher uh, achievement in work in sport and so on so if you believe you have the free the free will to choose you will generally achieve greater outcomes in life now whether or not we have free will uh is a, a topic or a question that's still argued and debated fiercely um My own view is that maybe we don't, but we believe we do. And if we're talking about outcomes in our work and sport and so on, well, then our belief in ourselves and our ability directly impacts what happens. So it's important um, to believe in oneself and to recognize that you are, or at least have the possibility to be the autonomous active agent in your own life. And that's what commanding your own work, which is the tagline I like to use, the hashtag, uh, is vital in achieving the results that you want to achieve. If you want to do well in life, if you want to achieve, no matter what your definition of achievement is or success is, you must have a certain level of self-confidence, self-efficacy related to the work that you're engaged in, uh, and belief in free will. Self-efficacy was described by Bandura in 1997, as beliefs amongst capabilities to organize and execute the course of action required to produce given attainments. Broadly speaking, this belief reflects the confidence the individual has in their ability to perform a specific task. This construct was derived from self-efficacy theory, which proposes that self-efficacy enhances performance through increasing the difficulty of self-set goals, increasing the level of effort that is applied, and effort being the operative word, Um, and strengthening persistence so resilience is a really vital aspect in all of this it's our ability to bounce back after disappointment our ability to keep going when things aren't really going our way the ability to accept conditions for what they are blinkers on and straight into it again when i say blinkers on i mean uh, laser focus so oftentimes in a game for example or in work You can't go around with your blinkers on because you miss important data and information. But really, it's about getting into a flow state in your work and sport and being able to act uh, automatically to the stimulus and conditions in order to um, create the best result. Now, it's slightly different uh, if you're working in an office and your work is uh, slow and repetitive um, than maybe if you're in an operating theater and it's life or death or you're on the sports field and you're within tight time constraints to achieve a particular result. So the narrower the time window to achieve, the more proficient you need to be, the faster you need to be, and all that kind of stuff. There's loads going on, but um, really it's, uh, it's about the effort that we apply, regardless of what's going on. Um, be able to, be, to be able to uh, isolate the task amongst the mayhem, you might say, Broadly speaking, much of this research supports exist- the existence of a relationship between self-efficacy beliefs and performance. In Bandura's original model, four key ante- antecedents uh, and so on, da, da, da there's actually six or arguably more. But um, the ones that we're going to talk about are mastery experiences, vicarious experiences, verbal persuasion, physiological states, emotional states, and imaginal experiences. So we fly through this. Uh, Mastery experiences involves gaining confidence from mastery and successful uh, experiences. In essence, it's the carrying out of the work, Um, the experiences of doing, as he says here. This source of self-efficacy is often cited as being the most important because it it has seen to be the most influential. The generally held view here is that positive experiences have a positive impact upon efficacy beliefs. And negative experiences, the opposite. Although this view has been questioned, uh, with the suggestion being that negative past experiences could also have a motivational effect, and as a result, increase self-efficacy beliefs. Vicarious experiences, learning from others, gaining confidence from observing the successful experience of others, usually uh, where parallels can be drawn between the performer and the individuals being observed. In particular, confidence is gained from observing or modeling others, either in person or via more indirect methods, i.e. video. You know from watching kids in sport, they love to take a steer from their heroes on the screen and they'll try what their heroes are doing on the screen, themselves on the field. It's the same in work. If we admire a certain individual, uh, a mentor, or some other leader or someone who's been down the track before us in a workplace setting for example or on the stage in performance or in music when we when we look at someone who's performing their art or their work or their sport to a high degree and we 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 focus in on them as being the epitome of the performance well then we we will take what we see in them and we'll we'll attempt to to uh, play it out in our own work so that's what vicarious experience means. It's particularly important for kids learning a, a new skill in music or or uh, on the stage or in sport that they operate within their own peer group and they learn from, e- from each other. They have a knack of actually picking up the skills from those amongst them who can perform it to a higher degree. Something to think about when we're streaming players in underage, for example, sports, something I don't. Uh, 100% agree with at least how it's carried out where I operate uh, Verbal persuasion Gaining confidence from the support of significant others including themselves uh, such as coaches, instructors teammates etc. While referred to as verbal this uh, also includes non-verbal social influences such as body language as might be experienced positive verbal feedback has a facilitative influence on efficacy beliefs whereas negative verbal feedback has a debilitate debilitative effect in other words if you're a coach or a trainer or a teacher lambasting a kid out of her for getting it wrong has the opposite effect it merely says that you don't know how to coach basically you've got to find a positive in what the kid has done or be able to frame what you've seen in a positive light maybe sandwich it between two positive aspects is what i'd like to do so pick the thing that maybe they're not performing to the degree that you want or that they want indeed and Sandwich it between two positive aspects that they are doing. So uh, congratulate them on their level of effort, for example. Then say, here's how maybe to try something different. So you've got to be positive in your approach, not too emotionally charged yourself in delivering that feedback. Uh, And then maybe the kid can pick it up and improve. Uh, I think as coaches and teachers and trainers, we've got to remember that uh, our job is to facilitate learning, create the environment where kids can learn from us and from others, not to... Uh, lambaste the kid, forget it wrong. If that's what we're doing, well, we've got to ask ourselves, are we really coaches, teachers, uh, trainers, etc.? Maybe not. Physiological states. Influenced by uh, physiological indicators and how they're interpreted by the individual performer, i.e. pain, fatigue, etc., hunger, your heart rate racing. Um, The interpretation of these physiological states is crucial as the same uh, physiological responses can be interpreted in, in about a positive way and a negative way, depending on the athlete or the performer. So, for example, um, someone might stop running, might pull out of doing laps or doing uh, repeats, hill repeats, or they might uh, refuse, they might put their guitar down, and stop playing because their fingers hurt. Um, so uh, another kid might say, might keep going because this is an indication that Uh, they're getting somewhere, uh, that the pain is a positive thing. Um, It's not an indication to stop. It's an indication to keep going. If you run marathons or you've ever run marathons or long distance or uh, you're involved in any sport, you'll know that pain uh, to a particular level is uh, an inescapable aspect of the game that you're playing. So you've got to make friends with it. In other words, if you're going to progress, uh, that doesn't mean that you push the limits and you break yourself in two. You've got to be able to read your own body, and that takes time and often takes a little bit of feedback from uh, more experienced others, i.e. coaches. Uh, emotional states is the next one we want to talk about. Um, so just a reminder, what we're talking about here are those elements of self-efficacy, those, those elements of experience and performance that, that lead to increased self-efficacy. Emotional states, gaining confidence from the achievement of of the required psychological state or mindset prior to performance. So in other words, if you keep going when things get tough um, and you reach the end, you reach the finish and you actually have achieved something either by finishing or by finishing in a better time than maybe you achieved the last day, this has a reinforcing effect. So the emotion associated with the achievement now makes the physiological uh, experience Uh, worthwhile. So they reinforce each other. In fact, these are not um, isolated elements. They all enforce and reinforce and influence one another. They're like a constellation of elements involved in the formation of uh, the required self-efficacy to complete a task or perform to a high degree. Um, Imaginal experiences, uh, which is the final one on the list here, refers to the performers gaining belief from imagining themselves or others executing their skills successfully and achieving successful performance outcomes. So imagining oneself, performing the task to a high degree and achieving a positive result. So if you were a stage performer, if you were a musician in an orchestra, um, to prepare for your event, um, you would, over a significant period of time, practice with your eyes closed in the quiet how you would like it to go you can play the song or the piece from start to finish in your mind uh, or you can be less uh, specific about it and imagine it going really well imagine um, uh, congratulations coming from your peers and from those around you Uh, uh, imagine an applause from the audience and continue to reinforce this uh, as the desired outcome and what this does is it prepares it's not just woohoo nonsense um, that you might have heard from somewhere from other sources but it actually influences our brain chemistry it influences our cellular structures It influences us physiologically emotionally and so on and helps regulate ourselves when we actually go into the event so it's not new our mind our body our heart our, our lungs everything knows what to expect and so when you arrive into it, it's not novel, it's not new. And the greatest threat to, to performing whatever it is you do to a high degree is a novel environment. So if you're not used to it, um, you your uh, weaknesses can be exposed. You're, you'll begin to uh, experience an increased heart rate when you haven't even started. Sweaty palms, a flight or fight, as they call it. Um, no good for performance at a high degree. Okay, you might be nervous, but as soon as you come in, you switch on neurologically, physiologically, emotionally, and you're ready to go. And that work is done before the event on a continual basis. That's what the imagine that's what imagining oneself in that scenario actually does. Efficacy beliefs have been suggested to vary between individuals and across time. okay, that's accepted. Uh, they go into that a little bit here. Um, and further, they talk about enhancing efficacy beliefs. The most effective approach is to enhancing efficacy beliefs, pardon me, seek to develop confidence by focusing on multiple sources. This approach is designed to develop something termed robust, resilient beliefs. There's that word again, resilience, the ability to bounce back from adversity, accept conditions and carry on. This robust confidence allows the individual performer to remain confident even if some of their sources of efficacy do not support a confident mindset. So, for example, an individual who is in poor run of form, with mastery experiences being the single, benef- single most beneficial influencer, uh, can still remain confident because their confidence in their ability to perform is supported by verbal persuasion uh, and imaginal experiences and their psychological state. However, for the sake of clarity, potential interventions will be presented, da-da-da. So mastery experiences, they go into a little bit about how they can be reinforced, vicarious experiences, verbal persuasion, uh, psychological states. Variable persuasion is something that can be done throughout uh, training and uh, pre-event preparation. <clears throat> so um, what I like to tell people that I work with Um, is that how you talk to yourself has a a huge impact on your performance uh, and how you relate with other people and how you simply get on in your work. If you dread going into the environment, the workplace or the sporting environment, and uh, you are thinking uh, automatic negative thoughts about that particular scenario, um, you're not preparing yourself Uh, to cope very well. In fact, you're preparing yourself for a negative experience just in the same way as you would uh, prepare yourself for a positive experience by imagining a positive uh, outcome. If you think negative thoughts or you allow your negative thoughts to overrun you, well, then that's what you're preparing for. Your neurology, your biology, your physiology, your emotional state is all in preparation for things going tits up. So you've got to change how you're thinking. And in behavioral psychology, we talk about that as flipping, doing a flip on how we think or doing a 180 on it. So if your thought, your automatic thought is negative, stop yourself and ask yourself, does this help me? Is this, is this thought that I'm thinking about myself and my own ability helpful to achieve and what I want to achieve? And if the answer is no... You've got to change it, okay? You've got to simply ask yourself, what would I like to hear? So you've got to be, in essence, your own best friend. How would you speak to your own best friend if they were in a similar situation? If they were thinking about their their performance in a negative way, if they ha- were anticipating uh, a negative performance outcome, if they were talking to themselves in a negative fashion, how would you support them? So be your own best friend. Put your arm around your own shoulder and give yourself a break. Start talking to yourself in a positive way. Start reinforcing what you know to be true about your own ability. That's the starting point. You've got to slow down first the negative pattern of thought if this happens to be true for you and begin to take yourself in a new direction and begin to talk to yourself the way you would like to be spoken and begin to treat yourself how you would like to be treated. This is the start. And you can do that. Uh, even when you're not training, even when you're not in work, even when you're not in performance, talk to yourself as you're going about your day and start when you get up. There's more we can talk about this particular uh, tool, but uh, that would be my primary hint for you or uh, uh, task to perform, um, action to take based on what we were discussing here. Because our thoughts can take us down all kinds of roads that are unhelpful. And if we're not willing to slow down that train, it'll just keep going and the results uh, bear out. Um, So uh, he goes on to talk about what we can do, interventions that as coaches, trainers, teachers, and indeed athletes and performers, what we can do to influence our own uh, performance, uh, the interventions that we can apply um, for ourselves. Um, He goes on to talk about overconfidence. goes on to talk about overconfidence, resilience and so on. So I do recommend this book, uh, The Psychology Performance by Stuart T. Cotterell. Yeah, it's published by Rutledge. You'll get it on all good uh, uh, bookstores online and uh, I would definitely suggest you get your hands on it. Um, that's all I have for you this week on the Friday Book Club. If you'd like to join me in conversation or just simply listen in from the background, uh, live every Friday night. We're on at 8 p.m. GMT. Um, I'm talking about the book of the week. I get into it a little bit, uh, offer my own commentary, and if you're available to have a chat with me, well, then we'll talk about the concepts that are in the book and that we've been reading and talking about uh, and have a, just have a conversation. If not, um, just like you're listening to this here, you can check it out later on. We'll have it uh, published on the podcast. It'll be on the site, humanperformance.ie. It'll also be in the Uh, Peak Performer Community, where you can engage with other people on this topic. Um, If you would like to join the Peak Performer Community, there's a link in the notes, in the show notes for this episode. Um, It's free to join up until the 31st of December twenty two. After that, uh, there's a monthly fee, €29 or $29.00. Uh, it's probably about what is that in pounds twenty four or three pounds maybe less I don't know um a month to uh, be a part of the community it's a ring fence community it doesn't have ads it doesn't have um you know spammers it doesn't have bots crawling your page trying to find out your likes and dislikes it does pardon me it doesn't have um Uh, all of those aspects of social media platforms that we have come to hate so much. Um, And I created it because of that. I could have built it on Facebook, but I really have, I don't really like Facebook. So everything I produce and more goes in here you get to engage with other people who are on the same path as you or a similar path. Or maybe they're further down the road than you and it can help you a little bit in what it is you're trying to achieve. It's for sports people. It's for business people. It's for it's for people who wish to advance their career. It's for people on the stage, people in medicine, people in the military. If you're looking to achieve peak performance in your work and sport, art, whatever it happens to be, well, then the peak performer community is a place where you can do that. Or at least learn... Uh, some of those aspects that can help you get where you want to go. I'm Larry McGuire. I'm a work and organization psychologist. I'm a lecturer in psychology. Uh, I'm glad you've taken the time out to listen to this. Uh, please do consider signing up, uh, humorperformance.ie, become a member. I'll keep you in the loop on email. Uh, you'll get an invite to the Peak Performer community, and I hope to see you there. Uh, until the next time, mind yourselves and uh, have a good week.